Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. My apologies for the less than stellar audio quality for the intro and the outro today. I'm on the road with Dan for his work, but I wanted to get a podcast posted this week. And I didn't have all my equipment with me, obviously, so it's a little bit low budge on the front end and the back end. But don't worry, next week we'll be back with our A-game. Money is such a touchy topic. We're told never to talk about it in polite company. And for many of us, it's a topic we don't ever bring up, even to ourselves. I get it. When I was single, money was tight. I was a professor living in Chicago. I wasn't making the big bucks. I wanted to be responsible, but I also wanted to live my life. I wasn't about to put my life on hold. Ultimately, It's about values, isn't it? At times, my value to make the most of every day and live life to the fullest conflicted with my value to save and take responsibility for my financial picture. But let's be honest. It's harder when you're single. Two people live cheaper than one. Couples split the bills. They share the rent. It's easier for them to save. But singles can thrive regarding their finances, even if you're in debt. Emily Burnett grew up in a home where fiscal responsibility was valued. She knew all about being careful with her finances. Yet, as a single woman in her 30s, she was $50,000 in debt. Ouch. But one day, Emily had had enough. As she put it, I make too much money to feel this broke. So she made some changes, starting with her thoughts. Because as in every realm of life, mindset is everything. And as we say all the time on Love and Life, when we take charge of our thoughts, everything changes with love and with money. Emily is here today to discuss how she took charge of her finances and how you can too. Here's a little bit more about Emily. Emily Burnett is the owner and coach behind Moso Money and is on a mission to help women who feel stuck financially or hopeless about their options. She coaches women to take control of their monthly money in order to afford a beautiful life. She knows from firsthand experience that a woman can live, work, and date more empowered when she gets on purpose and organized with her money. Her platform is summed up in the tagline, intentional money, intentional life. She lives, coaches, and writes near beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah, and is completing her first book on the why and how of budgeting for non-frugal women. My interview with Emily Burnett of Moso Money, right after this. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. 
So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Emily, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I am delighted to be here. Obviously, Love and Life We talk about the love stuff a lot, but we're going to talk money today, which is something, again, I don't normally bring up, but it's, uh, you know, I think about my years as a single woman. I lived in Chicago, which is, it's not like San Francisco or New York, but it's not cheap. You know, Mm -hmm. I was a professor, so I was trying to find that balance between being able to be financially in a place where I could do fun things and live my life in the present because I wasn't going to wait to travel to Europe until I met my man. I mean, that wasn't the kind of life I wanted to live. But at the same time, it's really hard to juggle that as a, as a single woman. And so I'm excited to share some of the strategies that you've come across uh, over the years of your work in this field. And But just to start, how about if you don't mind sharing with the listeners kind of how you got into this space and as a single woman yourself, how you navigate your way through these financial waters. Yes, absolutely. I am so excited to share this with your community because honestly, I can't tell you how many women I've had conversations with. And by sharing my story, which is not very pretty, it makes women feel safe and realize that there's so much possible for them. And even when I say the word money, though, I often get responses of like, oh, I want to avoid that subject or I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And I get that for sure because I felt like I spent all of my 20s avoiding that subject or trying to. I mean, you really can't, right? right. <laughs> we, all have, we all have bills to pay. We all have things we want to do in our, like with our futures and in our life. And so you really cannot avoid interacting with money. But a lot of people just, women especially, feel guilty when I bring up money or when it comes up. And so I am just so happy to share my story and my experiences in hopes that, you know, it kind of opens the door for other women to consider where they might be blessed by making changes. So first of all, I was taught really well by my parents and it just went in one ear and out the other. And (laughs) I had to make so many money mistakes on my own before I learned. I mean, this is, (laughs) <laughs> kind of embarrassing to admit, but I lit, I left the house and went to college with, I kid you not, like $200 in my checking account. And I don't know what my plan was. I'm sure I didn't have one. <laughs> but, you know, all through, well, let's see, I'll, I'll kind of just take you back to the, to the 20s when I, you know, like I said, left home with really not a lot of a plan and not a lot of money. I was a spender, not a saver. And that still remains true in some ways. So I I don't want anybody listening to this at the outset to think, oh, Emily has this all together now. And she only teaches people how to save and live frugally and cut coupons. Because that's not, that's never been my, the way I operate. So I basically chased every goal and dream in my 20s with debt, credit card debt, student loan debt, car loans. 
and no real plan to pay them off. But at the same time, I also didn't chase other goals and dreams because I couldn't afford them. Mm -hmm. And that's something I feel really passionately about sharing because a woman who has her money organized and on purpose and has some financial confidence around her abilities with it, she can so much more confidently chase her dreams and her goals. And then, you know, through my 20s, it really affected my dating. I would just hope that that subject of money and financial stuff would not come up. I didn't want to talk about retirement plans. I didn't want to talk about investing. I tried to act like I had it all together. I paid my bills. I was in a lot of ways a responsible contributing citizen, but I was just nervous that a really great guy would find out how much debt I had packing around with me. And also, you know, I try to minimize that yes, sometimes I like to go shopping and I like to buy nice things because I was afraid of where those conversations might lead. So that was a really big source of insecurity in dating. And even after I retooled my skill set, because I realized, you know, at 30, I, sa- I said, if I'm still single, I want to provide for myself more comfortably. And so I entered the world of technology and went to web development. And yet, Even with a great income, I thought I would be in debt and living paycheck to paycheck my whole life. There were a couple of wake up calls. And I would say the first one was, I make too much money to feel this broke. Mm. And the second was, you know, after a series of breakups and heartbreaks, you know, I kind of felt like I'd put my future in the hands of guys I was dating. And when... Some of those didn't pan out. It was like, okay, who, who is going to, you know, help me get land in Montana? I can do that. Who's going to, you know, I can get my stuff together so I can buy a house. You know, I just kind of make my own dreams come true while I continue to date. And I tell you, I'm so grateful for all the mistakes because it has allowed me to have conversations and impact on women and in some cases their families that I wouldn't have had otherwise if I had had a, a very fiscally responsible life. Yeah. It's, you know, it's interesting. You bring up so many themes that I think are connected to the single experience, as you pointed out, of course there are women in finance and there are women accountants and there are women in business and they probably come very naturally to some of this information. But I think those of us in other realms like psychology or social services or teaching, we may not come across this information. And you talk about that reality that as a single woman, we want to live this life that we envision and we don't, as I was mentioning earlier, we don't want to put everything on hold until our prince shows up. And we want to be empowered, which I love that you use the term empowered with your empowered money handbook, like my empowered dating playbook. We want to be empowered And yet at the same time, there is that natural, I think, for some of us who are looking for that more traditional relationship, there's an element of wanting to be taken care of. And I don't think that's a horrible thing. I think that with male, female energy, there's some of that that can be healthy. But in the midst of all that, we don't want to wait to have, like you said, to buy the house or to buy the property in Montana. So I agree with you that there's just a tension there. And I think we really can move 
through that tension toward empowerment while also going, yes, I'm building this life. And at the same time, I'm hoping at some point to share this life with someone. But you mentioned something that I think is really key. And I want to circle back to that, which is women oftentimes feel guilty. Oh my God. Yes. You yourself felt a little guilty if you would ever admit to someone you were just starting to date that you had some debt. And I think that's kind of normal, but at the same time, if we have any sense that I'm bringing this baggage, whatever that is, whether it's emotional mm-hmm. baggage, oh, I have this condition or I've had all these heartbreaking experiences that I'm bringing to this new relationship. In this case, you're talking about a financial picture that could be seen as baggage, which then you wouldn't be able to step into the dating scene with as much confidence. Totally. And I think it was, what would he make it mean? Because it was like my dirty secret that I didn't want a guy to know as opposed to, we'll get there. So I don't want to like, you know, give the ending away too soon. (laughs) (laughs) But as soon as I, I mean, it was, it was honestly like a flip that switched and I still had the exact same amount of debt. I still had the exact same income. Literally nothing had changed except my belief that I could get myself out of debt that I could become good with money and the guilt was gone and the shame was gone. And so I was able to kind of free myself from all that self-judgment that I had assumed would lead to a guy judging me. And, you know, I had my, I had my story already. Like if it came up, I wanted a really great guy to know that I did not want him to pay it off, that I had made my mistakes and I didn't want to saddle him with it. But my fear was that if he knew, if he knew that I liked shopping for nice things, that he would make that mean that uh, he didn't want to partner his life with mine because he didn't want to be financially ruined by my habits. And and so I let it become this like big monster in dating. Yeah. Well, I think there's this cultural kind of stereotype of that gold digger, right? I mean, that's, that's out there. And so a woman might feel if she has an appetite for finer things (laughs) and if she does then also have some debt, I think that's a realistic concern. So it's interesting that you had to, which of course I love, because you know, I love all things, beliefs and thoughts. Mm -hmm. And so when you started telling yourself, I really truly believe that I have whatever it takes to be able to pay off this debt and then set myself up with that financial stability, which then, as you mentioned earlier, which I also love, that you then could step into, first and foremost, your own confidence, just to have that more sense of Mm self-assured approach to yourself, A, and then, of course, B, looking for partnership with that same confidence. Totally, totally. And I think I've realized that that same confidence you know, whether I meet my guy in a year or in 10 years, that I will be a really great partner when it comes to money. And that confidence that I am not afraid of what I don't know with money. And, you know, I really do focus on, I call it the monthly money. I'm not your investment professional. And in fact, I think sometimes you mentioned earlier that there are some women and other professionals who very naturally are kind of gifted, like their, their knowledge and their skills and their uh, discipline. And they have awesome credentials. And I fully support myself working with them. But I am not like, I think women 
have to get empowered with the money that comes in and goes out on a weekly and monthly basis before they'll ever have the the really permanent confidence to make those bigger decisions that they will make with other professionals, you know, tax professionals, uh, retirement advisors, financial advisors. So I, I don't claim to be one of those. I, I definitely just love sharing the empowerment that I have found by kind of getting in the driver's seat of my money, as opposed to, I was like a very reluctant passenger maybe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or a guilty backseat I don't know what I was, but I, I'm so much happier where I am. And I absolutely love seeing other women get in the in the driver's seat and really excited about what they can do. Yeah. And I think, again, it, it's just so empowering. And I remember those days. I remember, like you said, I mean, I was a professor, so I wasn't in tech. But, you know, I remember I wrote down what you said that I make too much money to feel <laughs> this broke. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, you know, I have a doctorate and I'm a professional woman. How come... I can't feel like I could get ahead. That yeah. was the the feeling. Every chance, every time I would get a little bit of money in the bank, it was like the car needed new brakes, or you know, it just yeah. it felt like there was this this always two steps forward, three steps yeah. back, and maybe six steps back at times. And then, as I was saying earlier, I also had that feeling of like, yeah, but I don't want to deny myself the trip overseas because I'm 38 and I'm not going to wait until to go to Paris with some man. I'm going to go with my friends. I'm going to go by myself. I wanted to make sure I was still living in the here and now. So I think that there is that tension that, that women can experience and they get overwhelmed at times. And I know for me, I did. And I would just go, ah, forget it. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. You advocate for a budget and instead of feeling that you're getting boxed in by that budget, you're saying that that really is something that we should want as women, as single women who are empowering ourselves with our financial picture. Totally. And and thank you for calling that out because I do think that is so critical. Um, I mentioned that I, I get a lot of responses when I tell people what I do and what I'm so passionate about. And if I use the word budget, it's like this bad B word. Right. And <laughs> people will, women especially, again, will like their shoulders will slump a little. They'll, they'll just kind of like take on this defeated air. And then they'll say like, oh yeah, I should be doing that. Or something else that you would typically say like, oh yeah, I need to get that root canal next month. (laughs) You know, this thing that you don't want to do, but it's what responsible people do. And so, but you're bad because you're not. And and I want to like shout it from the rooftops that no, it's not something you should do because it's smart. It's because this is how you make your dreams come true against all the priorities of your life. It's honestly the most exciting thing because what happens (laughs) and I've, I was a really seasoned professional in this, you know, I'm thinking back to my late twenties when I was mired in debt and my sister was about to get married and I was nannying in Hawaii for friends. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to spoil her and bring her over to Hawaii. And we're going to have this awesome week. 
And I had no plan for how I was going to pay for that, but it was kind of a throw caution to the wind and live now. But then for the next several years, I carried the weight of that credit card bill. Right. And so it is a balance for sure between living fully, but not like sacrificing your peace of mind and your ability to sleep at night. And also, I think you could enjoy things twice when you make a plan for them and achieve them. And so many of them can happen so quickly when you get on purpose. Mm. I love that. Enjoy things twice because you're planning. Yes. And there is that, that sense of satisfaction. And Mm -hmm. I talk about this on the podcast all the time in relationship to other domains, but ultimately setting a goal and reaching it is a self-esteem boost. It's really the only self-esteem boost (laughs) that we can, that's how we build our self-esteem and our confidence. So for a woman who's feeling that her life is feeling a bit out of control or chaotic, or certainly her love life is feeling that way. Well, let's start with some of the things we absolutely can control and let those other domains, we build confidence there and let that generalize to all the other things in life. Totally. I love that. I love Yes, because it is very much it's like a it's a healthy area to have control. And you also talked about the satisfaction. I sometimes use the analogy who hasn't enjoyed going from like a really, really messy closet or your kitchen drawers are kind of catch alls. And when you pull everything out and then you put it in and it's organized, it just feels so intrinsically satisfying and so I kind of tell clients that it's like KonMari with your money, being very intentional how you organize it. And again, I think with enjoying it twice, you know, when I first started budgeting in earnest after this flip switched new belief, it was so empowering and exciting to see that I had put money in my clothing and luxuries category that I knew I could spend guilt-free. And so that's another huge reason why I am such a proponent of planning your money, AKA budgeting, because you get to spend guilt-free and enjoy that sense of control, whatever's happening around you, because it has less to do with what's coming in and more about how you are planning the spending and your goals and priorities. Yeah, it's just such an important reframe, I think. And I wish I had talked to you when I was... <laughs> because I think you're right. I had some of those pejorative associations with budget. Oh, then I'm going to have to be cheap all the time. Yes. I can't go out to dinner. And when I go out to dinner with my friends, I'll be that one who's like, can we split up the bill? Wait, let me see the bill and make sure I'm not paying any for your martini. You, you don't want to be that has such... Like I said, so many negative associations, Mm -hmm. but if we can reframe it as an opportunity to be able to just structure your finances in such a way that then when you do go out to dinner, you've already had this money allotted for that and you'll have that freedom. And there's so much, don't you think in so many realms of life, there's so much freedom and discipline, but we resist the discipline Uh so much that we deny ourselves the, the joy of the freedom. Totally, totally. And I think it really gets to what's important to you. So sometimes, you know, before I had this financial transformation, 
you know, I might go out and absolutely blow any sort of quote unquote budget limit I had for eating out or whatever. But it was not intentional. It was kind of keeping up with whoever I was out with and almost spending according to what was around me, as opposed to, you know, I actually only want to order this much, like, because I want that. And so I think it really brings you into contact with your priorities and your values in a way that it's tough to do when your money is a mystery. And it's this (laughs) guilty black box you don't want to look at. Right. So I I love what you shared because I can totally relate. And that's, that's a very common experience. Well, and then when you talk about what's important to you, it brings me back to another thing I talk about all the time on the podcast, which is values and how our values are so important as we clarify what is meaningful, what matters to us and how that helps us better understand who we will partner well with. And of course, all the research on marriage shows that one of the top reasons people divorce in pretty much every study that's ever been conducted Mm -hmm. is finances. So when we get our financial picture, get our ducks in a row, we can better understand our own values. Once you've done this process of quote unquote budgeting or planning, whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. then we clarify for ourselves, oh wait, yeah, so I do some of my fun money. I actually want it to be more in experiences and travel as opposed to buying the name brand designer items. So then that's a values clarification process that then lets you understand who you are in a more full way, which then of course helps you understand, like I said, who you will be able to partner with in the most successful partnership. I love that. And and I totally agree. And it also in some ways almost puts the lie to what you might be telling yourself a value is. So like generosity might be something that you identify as one of your core values. But if your money doesn't match that, or when you are being generous, if that's always done on a credit card, you're ultimately hurting yourself because you might be spending like your utilities money or your mortgage or (laughs) something that was earmarked for an important job to sustain your life you had to put on a credit card because you didn't have real money to be generous with. So I think it allows you also to be more authentic in living some of those values. Mm -hmm. And, and it kind of gives you the information and the data to say, well, gosh, I I say that this is one of my core values, but my spending says this, what do I want to change here? Right. Is that value not actually one of my core values or do I need to adjust how I spend? But And not from a place of guilt or shame, but you're making an honest choice at that point, like an exciting choice. Right. It's so reminiscent of ACT, which I have spoken about on the podcast quite a Mm -hmm. bit, which is just clarifying your chosen values and committing to actions toward those chosen values. And money talks. So your money is going to reflect your values, whether or not you want to be honest about it or not. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns. We'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns. We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals. 
and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. So Emily, you talk about forgiving yourself and starting exactly where you are, which I remember those moments where you, you'd come across someone who's like, if you had taken $5 out of every paycheck <laughs> when you were 22 years old, you'd be a millionaire by now. And I'd always be like, dang it. You know, I'm, I'm 40 years old and I didn't do that. And I'm not a millionaire. <laughs> right. I grew up with really responsible parents financially. And, you know, I grew up learning the rule of 72, which is that, you know, you take an interest rate and you divide it into 72 and that's how often your money doubles. And so it's along the lines of what you are saying that if you put a thousand dollars in when you're 20, by the time you're, you know, 52, you will be a millionaire without ever contributing anything ever again. And so I've had that dialogue in, in my mind for a lot of, even my twenties when I was totally basically flushing money down the toilet with some of my spending and lack of planning. And it was so wonderful to just say, you know what, no matter all the wasted time and all the doublings that I didn't have because I didn't invest at a young age, I can start today. I I don't know. It was just so freeing to leave the past in the past and say, okay, all I can work with is what I have right now. And what do I want my future to look like? And what do I choose to do to make that possible while still enjoying my life in a more authentic way now, as opposed to uh, kind of the denial that I had done before in my spending? And, And I think that a big part of that is acknowledging what your life costs right now. And I think that that act is actually a really important act in the forgiveness process. So for years and years, I would, I would do this like hypothetical budget on a spreadsheet. And it wasn't really budgeting because it was entirely hypothetical. But I would say, okay, I'm not going to go out to eat this month because I'm going to be really disciplined. I'm not going to buy any clothes. I don't have any trips that I'm going to take coming up. But that was not true because I do go out to eat and I do buy clothes and I do go on trips. And so walking myself through and then walking clients through, well, first of all, bringing it into the light of day, how much their life costs them right now without stuff hiding in the closets or things swept under the rug. Because you can't make peace with something you're not willing to look at, right? Mm -hmm. And so figuring out where you are, it's kind of like I had this awesome trip recently to Bryce Canyon in Utah. And I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, what is this place? It's incredibly beautiful, but I don't even know where I am. So how do I know where I want to hike? And it took me several stops at viewpoints and looking at lots of different maps and kind of putting together information and saying, oh, well, this is where I am. Now I can decide where I want to go from here. And so I can't like stress that enough to just, accept where you are right now because you can't change anything about what you've done in the past. Yeah. And I would imagine there would be some forgiveness that needs to happen because once you, like you said, start taking a very honest look 
at some of your choices, they may have been out of step with your values. And then you can find yourself being a bit self-critical, which of course, regret and ruminating about such things, it's not helpful. And all the psych research shows it's related to depression. So we want to try to learn from our mistakes and like you mentioned, be more honest with ourselves and then move forward and be excited about this new chapter of your relationship with your financial realities as opposed to going, if I had saved that five bucks (laughs) every paycheck, that's just, it's not useful. It's not helpful. Again, the parallels to love are so similar, you know, beating yourself up for the bad choices you made with men in your twenties doesn't help anything either. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast. And I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May. Tim at loveandlifemedia.com. So you mentioned that you made some choices finally that worked for you. You talked about some of these epiphanies, these kind of aha moments that you had. You are a self-identifying non-frugal woman, yet you've come (laughs) to embrace a lifestyle and a relationship with your finances that is more disciplined and structured. So how did you finally make that switch? Was it one big kind of, okay, I'm done with this and I need to change? Or was it a series of small, you began to wake up to a new way of relating to money and a new way to relating to yourself even? Yeah, I think there there probably were some of those latter things you describe happening kind of behind the scenes, you know, to kind of prepare me for this, what felt like an aha moment. But I can boil it down to, you know, kind of five-ish quick things. The first was really getting everything into the light of day and, and not, you know, like we just talked about, not pretending like i didn't spend X amount of money on eating out with friends. So instead of saying, here's how much I make and then whittling away from there, it was like, let me just get an honest look at how I have been spending. And so putting everything on paper, including the things that come up unpredictably, you know, car stuff. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. Some of the boring things, but also a lot of the fun things that I didn't want to acknowledge. So getting everything into the light of day was huge. And then I also, I let somebody else look at my numbers and that took some 
courage and humility to let somebody else look at those numbers and weigh in, give me a little bit of advice to say that could be maybe higher. Maybe you could be spending a little more there. That seems like you're, you know, really trying to live too cheap in that area, or maybe that's a little high. And ultimately it was my choice, but I think just the, it took the shame out of it, letting somebody else see all my spending and all my debt numbers. And then a really key thing was mapping out the path to what I had previously thought was unattainable. So I had $50,000 in debt at that point, and it felt impossible that I would be free of that anytime soon. I mean, honestly, it felt like it would be decades away. Yeah. And so mapping it out on paper to say, okay, if I maintain my current spending levels and I pay off this debt first and then this debt second, I will be debt free in three and a half years. And I could see kind of the mileposts along the way uh, was, it was like, I got to see it in advance. Like, oh, that's how I do this thing. And it felt possible and in like a baby way, almost like I had achieved it already. Yeah. And and the very exciting thing is once I did that, well, actually I, I should share just a few other things. One, I, I found and wrapped my arms around a budgeting tool that I still use, teach and love. Uh, it's called You Need a Budget. And it's, I have no affiliation with them at all. It's just simply my favorite tool in life. And it just gave me a place to organize my money so that it wasn't rumbling around in my head. And then I really, I simplified my priorities. I stopped trying to do all the good things at once. And I stopped trying to make headway on all the debt payoff at one time and just, you know, picked one debt to focus on. I simplified bank accounts. And and then the, the happy end to the story is that, you know, I'd identified that it would take me three and a half years to reach my goal. And that felt so exciting because that was a lot shorter than multiple decades. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did it in just under two. Wow. And that's what happens when you get on purpose with your money. It, it's almost like, you know, money was waiting in the wings to say like, okay, I want to come to a good home where I'm not going to get lost. And it's crazy. I felt like I saved more. I spent more. And, you know, those two things don't seem like they should be possible, but right. they were. Well, that's exciting. I mean, for you to have that kind of debt, which to me is would be so daunting, just as it was to you, I'd be like, oh, this is never going to happen. This is Mount Everest. <laughs> I don't know how I'm ever going to scale this. And for you to be able to fast track it even, and you thought almost in half as much time as you had Mm-hmm. planned out. That's really inspiring. And so to other women who might resonate with where you were and be excited by your story, what do you share with them for, but if she's going, you know, but I just know myself that word budget scares me. I, do, <laughs> I don't think I have a clear picture. I think I shove my financial reality under the rug and I don't ever look and I'm scared to even look at it myself. What do you share with those women and then let them know about some of the resources you have available for them? Yeah, absolutely. I would say based on my own experiences and what I've seen from so many other women is that what you don't look at is so much scarier 
than what mm, you do. Yes. And that, you know, I can, I can tell a woman all day long, like you can be different with money. Anybody can do this. But I think that the woman you described, even if she's not quite ready to tell herself, I can do this, I would encourage her to at least stop repeating the lines, I'm bad with money, or it's too hard. Or some say like, I want the results, but I can't be expected to put in any effort. Stop saying the things that keep you stuck where you are, and you'll open yourself up to some more positive thoughts and beliefs. And another thing I'd share is that having worked with all kinds of income levels, I can tell you that it has so little to do with the amount of money coming in. And and that should be encouraging for everybody listening. I have worked with one client who spent three quarters of a million dollars in a year. And that was, they were totally fine with that. And, and yet their questions about budgeting were the exact same as, you know, single parents making $50,000. And, and I only share kind of that, that spectrum to highlight how really anybody can do this. It has so much more to do with emotions and what you're kind of willing to embrace as possible for yourself. And I would encourage your listeners and anybody who is, you know, interested in at least an initial way, you know, if this has piqued some interest, but you're not quite sure, I have a freebie that I've carefully crafted and that is available on my website at mosomoney.com, M-O-S-O money.com. And I would encourage them to start there and it kind of walks them through some of their current thoughts as well as what thoughts they might try on. And then for those who are really serious about this and who are kind of at that point where I hit, where I was like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done being stuck. I'm smarter than this. I know it. (laughs) And I have bigger plans for myself than I'm currently making possible with my spending and lack of attention. So for the woman who's very serious about making a change, I do have a coaching program that, um, yeah, where I am their cheerleader to keep them from getting stuck over the hurdles of budgeting. Because that's often somebody might say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this budgeting thing. But if it's your first time giving it a real stab or your first time approaching zero-based budgeting, you need somebody that you can turn to with questions and that can listen to your questions without judgment and kind of help you air your dirty laundry and realize it's not that dirty. That's a big part of what happens in that coaching program. And so that one is also available on my website. And that one is called See Your Way to 10K. I'm just so struck by the parallels. You mentioned some of the self-talk, right? Someone saying, I'm just bad with money, which someone could say, I'm unlucky in love. Like I used to tell myself when I was stuck in a a rut with my own mindset about my love life. Well, we can get stuck in a rut in our mindset about the potential and the possibilities with our finances. Mm -hmm. And I'm really struck, like I said, by the parallels between your relationship with romantic partners and your relationship with Mm -hmm. yourself and your finances. There's just a lot of overlap to me, if I were single right now, I would be signing up for your course or for your <laughs> for your program because I know that it's something that 
can really make a big difference in terms of that confidence, which again, as we noted, can generalize to many other Mm -hmm. domains. So I'm so excited that you've shared this with my community. I really want to thank you. And can they follow you on the social media channels and all the things? Oh, they are so welcome to full disclosure. I'm not very active on the socials. I enjoy like a, a loyal, but more private community. But I do post occasionally on Instagram and welcome connection there. And if anybody has questions, you know, if, if this sparked anything, like I kind of joke with family and friends that budgeting is the one thing I would take calls at three in the morning for. Like, <laughs> it's not, But I'm actually kind of serious because if somebody's reaching out to me with a question, it indicates that that is a woman who is ready to make a change. And mm-hmm. I want to help her make that change. And just kind of rise up into her potential because a a woman who is on purpose can do so much good in the world. So I would love DMs on Instagram and would love just uh, connecting with your audience. However, I can help them. And your Moso money on Instagram? It's Moso underscore money on Instagram. And it's M-O-S-O, correct? Correct. All right. Yeah. And actually Moso refers to, it's a type of bamboo. And I have learned through a devotional book that uh, bamboo, very slow growth at first, it starts growing so quickly that you can actually see from day to day, like inches or feet per day. And the thought behind that for my business is that a woman who gets her roots right, you know, by getting intentional with her money can do so much growth and good in every other aspect of life. That is a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation and your mission and your purpose. And I'm so glad that you've taken the time today to share this with my community. Thank you so much, Emily. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It was such a pleasure. The love and life hack for this week is take charge of your finances. Take charge of your life. As I noted throughout the episode, I'm struck by the parallels between our money mindset and our love life mindset. There's so much overlap. And as Emily put it, a woman who has her money organized and has some financial confidence can so much more confidently chase her dreams and goals in love and life. Okay, I added the love and life part. Thank you so much as always for joining us today. If you're struggling with your finances, I hope you'll take Emily up on her offer to help. We can be empowered in our finances and watch this empowerment generalize to all the other realms of life too. If you haven't joined my newsletter yet, please do. You'll get my Empowered Dating Playbook and you'll be the first to know about all the new developments in the Love & Life community. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson April, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson April.